text for our meditation this morning is our second lesson for today, 2 Timothy chapter 1. I'll read it for you again, where Paul writes, So do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, or of me, his prisoner. Rather, join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. He has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time, but it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who has destroyed death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. And of this gospel, I was appointed a herald and an apostle and a teacher. That is why I'm suffering as I am. Yet this is no cause for shame, because I know whom I have believed, and am convinced that he is able to guard what I've entrusted to him until that day. What you have heard from me keep as the pattern of sound teaching with faith and love in Christ Jesus. Guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. Guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in us. Grace and peace to you, my brothers and sisters, in our Savior, Jesus Christ. You go to a restaurant, and you finish your meal, and they come around with the dessert menu, and you pick something, the the chocolate lava cake or whatever, and it comes, and it's dry, it's bland, but somehow at the same time, it's still too sweet. It's not what you wanted. You are filled with regret. You are filled with embarrassment. You made a bad decision. But the next time you go to that restaurant, they come around with a dessert menu, what happens? Do you think, eh, maybe that was just an off night. <laughs> maybe I should try it again. Why do we keep doing this? Why do we keep ordering that dessert? Or why do we keep buying cars or houses that turn into money pits? Why do we keep investing time, money, and effort into relationships that just go sour in a matter of months? Why do we keep putting ourselves and our effort into things that in the end are not worth it? Now that question, is it worth it, is the source of so much frustration and anxiety, isn't it? We agonize, is the decision I'm about to make, the move I'm about to make, or the vacation I'm about to take, is it going to be worth it? Because if it's not, you might as well not go through with it, right? You want the return on your investment to be worthwhile. You want to be better off after making this decision than you were before, don't you? Now, I am positive there were people in Paul's life at this time who would have encouraged him to think the same way. They would come to him as he writes Second Timothy, And say to him, Paul, Paul, look at you. You are in chains. You are in a Roman prison. Your body bears scars and bruises. You can't see straight. You have a little bit of a limp. All because of the suffering, the things that people have done to you. And for what? For this thing that you call the gospel? Because you wanted to be a traveling preacher and share Jesus with people? Paul, Paul. Look at you. Do you really want to say 
it was worth it? And to be honest with you, my brothers and sisters, I have a hard time imagining that I would react any differently. Just take the way that we react to any minor inconvenience in life. Someone that you feel like you've been pouring a lot of effort into, you've been working hard on that relationship, but they don't treat you the way you want to be treated. What do you say? After all I've done for you, as if that relationship were a business transaction that you were looking for a little more return for. How do we feel when we don't feel, when we see that our returns are less than we wanted them to be? We feel embarrassed. We feel angry because we feel like we were the foolish ones to make the decision in the first place. Now, is it possible to be embarrassed of Jesus? Is it possible that we could ever become ashamed of Christ or of the gospel? As you look at the pros and cons, as you look at your relationship with Christ and honestly examine it, do you feel like the return on your investment has not been worth it? When you look and see that the moment that you came to believe in Jesus was not the, the moment that all your suffering stopped, but actually in a lot of ways the moment that it started. That faith in Christ is not the release from hardship that we wish that it would be, but the cause of it. As people who are ordinarily perfectly nice and polite seem to think that they can bully you for what you believe about creation, about the Bible, or about God himself. And so if you got out that sheet of paper and you weighed the pros and cons, what would you find? Would you find that believing in Jesus and giving up all this time to come to church to come to Bible class, to read your Bible, to fold your hands and pray, would you find that maybe, maybe, just maybe, it hasn't exactly been worth it, that the returns are pretty small, that it was the worst business decision you ever made. But speaking about your relationship with Christ like that, I will admit, is misleading. Because you did not make the decision to believe in him. You weren't the one who came to the table with a contract and was willing to invest a certain amount into Christ. No, Christ invested in you. Jesus made the decision to be yours. And Paul tells us that he made this decision before you were even born before even your great-grandfather and grandmother existed. He made the decision to invest in you before the beginning of time. Because God is not a businessman. God is not looking for a return on his investment. God is a, the God of grace, of love. And he has poured that grace into you expecting nothing in return. You see, Jesus is not just the best option out there out of many, as if you could weigh the pros and cons of Jesus, and if he's not working out for you, then you can just jump ship and find something else that will also work. No, Jesus is the only option. The other option is death, hell, punishment. Jesus is your only escape. 
But Jesus, not wanting you to perish, but for you to have eternal life, came to earth, the Son of God, born a human baby. He grew up serving, loving, and leading, and he died like a criminal, like a sinner, so that he could rise in glorious victory to do what? To silence death itself, to break death's power over you, to change your death so that when, you're, when your life is up, when your time is up, death is not the moment you go to hell to face facts for all of your sins, but it is the moment that you go home to glory with your Savior Jesus, completely free of anything you have done. That's why we call it grace, and that's the gospel. And if that were the whole story, if that were all that Jesus did for you, would that not be enough reason to call him worthy, to say that he is worth it? If all Jesus did for you was change your death, the period at the end of the sentence that is your life, would that not be enough to say that he's been worth everything? But that's not all. You see, Jesus, before you came into existence, loved you and chose you and knew you and wanted to save you. And when your existence on this earth is up, he is going to take you home to heavenly glory. But now, at this present moment, he has called you into what Paul calls a holy life, a new life, a different life than you would have lived before, a suffering-proof life a hardship-proof life, not an easy life, but a holy one so that you can know him. So is it worth it to get a little uncomfortable for Jesus? Can't you see why it is? Is it worth it to constantly be the butt of the joke when anti-Christian people are making fun of you? I think you can see why it is. Is it worth it to get a little uncomfortable and share that Jesus is your Savior with your best friend or a total stranger? Can't you see why it is? Is it worth it to stick out like a sore thumb because of what you believe about God's will for us and morality and what God says in the Bible? Can't you see that it is? Because there will be no final gotcha moment where you will be embarrassed for clinging to Jesus. No, he has disarmed death. And if you are free from the fear of death, then what shame can anyone throw at you? Oh, you admit that you're a sinner. You don't have to be embarrassed by that because you're also admitting that you have a Savior Jesus. You admit that you are weak. You don't have to be embarrassed to be weak because you know the one whom you believe and how strong he is for you. There is no shame in having a Savior like Jesus. There is no shame in believing the truth of the gospel. How could Paul put on a brave face even though he was in prison for being an apostle? The same way that you could if you were in his shoes. Not just blind faith, not just an abstract hope that things will turn out okay, but knowledge, certainty, because he knows the one whom he has trusted. 
He knows that Jesus delivers on every one of his promises, and he will deliver on his final promise to bring you home. It's kind of like when a man proposes to a woman and gives her an engagement ring. What does she do with the ring? She puts it back in the box, shuts it away, and kind of just waits until someone calls her and says, hey, your wedding's today, better put that ring on. No, she wears it every day and shows it off, says, look at my ring. And everyone oohs and ahs at how beautiful it looks, right? Brothers and sisters, your wedding date is in the future, that date when God will bring you home to be with him and all your problems will be done and you will be done with sin. But Jesus has given you a little engagement ring. It's called the gospel. He's told you about this ahead of time so that you can meditate on it now, so that you can have joy now, so that a smile can come to your face knowing that your Savior Jesus loves you now. It's also like when a man is married and he's wearing his wedding ring wherever he goes. If he's deployed overseas or just at work at the factory or whatever he's doing, he looks down at his hand and he sees because of that ring that someone's at home that loves him and is worth fighting for, worth living for. Look at your ring, the gospel, and see that your Savior is worth everything. He is worth fighting for. He is worth living for. He's worth suffering for. He's worth it. No question about it. Because he's called you his very own. Amen. Would you please stand? And respond with me to the word by confessing our common Christian faith using the words of the Nicene Creed on pages 11 and 12 of your bulletin. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is, seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, 